0: Kia ora and welcome to my daily podcast on the Kaka, I'm Bernard Hickey. Today I want to talk about house prices, what's happening with the market and what the government is going to do about it, because we got numbers from the Real Estate Institute on Tuesday showing that house prices, or at least the house price index, fell for the second consecutive month in January, so it fell in December and in January and overall it's down about two and a half percent or so from the peak which was at the end of November for the nation now some places have actually seen bigger falls than that Porirua for example its house price index is now down seven percent from the peak and we've heard from the real estate institute that one of the reasons for the lowest number of sales in any one month in 11 years apart from in April 2020 when we were in lockdown is that banks and mortgage brokers are struggling to get approvals through the system in the wake of the triple CFA. You might recall that that started on December the 1st and forces banks who are issuing mortgage approvals to be much more careful, much more detailed about assessing affordability for mortgages, this legislation was really designed to crack down on loan sharks who are pushing unaffordable loans onto people who could never really afford to repay them. And it means that those people who write those loans are personally responsible, and their companies responsible if, at a later date, it's discovered that a loan was pushed onto someone that they couldn't afford to repay. Now. The banks did warn that it was possible that this very prescriptive way of deciding whether something was affordable or not might slow down or restrict the ability of banks to lend to people, particularly as interest rates rise and as people uh, reach a point with house prices where they have to either borrow a very large proportion of the house price uh, and have a small deposit or are doing so with relatively limited incomes. Now before the triple CFA, the banks were assessing people's affordability, essentially working out what their weekly expenses were generally, and after that looking at disposable income and deciding whether they could afford to repay the mortgage if interest rates rose to around about 6.5-7%. Those affordability thresholds are a, a thing that the big banks have been doing for, for many years and it's actually meant that a lot of the people who have borrowed over the last two or three years when interest rates were 2 3% actually are going to be fine when interest rates go to 5 or 6% because the banks have already looked at the affordability of that mortgage with interest rates up at 5 6 even 7% a few years ago. Also, the Reserve Bank has tightened LVR restrictions so that from the beginning of November, December, uh, people were finding it more difficult to get the 95%, 100% mortgages. In fact, it's always been very difficult at 100%, but anything over 80% was has become more difficult because the Reserve Bank brought back in the loan-to-value restrictions last year, having dropped them immediately after COVID, and it uh, effectively tightened the restrictions even more by reducing the amount of high LVR lending that the banks could do. Now the banks come November or December are still quite close to the 10% speed limit, the amount of lending the banks are allowed to do above 80% or in the case of landlords above 60%, they were close to those limits. So the banks have been more restrictive through November, December, January. Now the banks um, have in part blamed the triple CFA for a reduction in mortgage approvals which we can see in the numbers that have come out from Centrix which is a credit reference firm and which says that the proportion of mortgages approved has dropped about 10-15 percentage points over the last two to three months. And from ANZ and ASB we saw them say that they approved about 7 or 8 percent less in terms of lending growth than they would normally do because of the triple CFA. Now over the last couple of months mortgage brokers have been launching petitions and uh, uh, asking the government to change these laws or regulations to effectively carve out the banks. A couple of weeks ago the National Party with Nicola Willis and Andrew Bailey proposed a rewriting of the law to carve out the banks so that they can continue on with their lending. David Clark, who's the Commerce Minister, has already launched um, an, an early and quite fast inquiry into how the CCCFA has, working, has worked, and said last week in an interview that although he wasn't going to carve the banks out in the wholesale way that was proposed by National, he said that the banks themselves actually only wanted a few tweaks, quite fast tweaks, that would allow them to get back on the horse, and that was more likely than a wholesale carve-out. So we're in a position now where the housing market has dropped 2 to 3%. ASB has forecast that it will drop another 4 or 5%, and other economists also see further drops in house prices. The question is, how much of a drop is just normal noise, a bit like the drop we saw in 2008-2009 when prices fell 10%, but bounced back pretty quickly. And how much is a full-on correction, uh, or C-word, the crash, that some people fear? And if we're headed towards that correction or crash, what would the government do about it? Because remember, in late 2020, again in late 2021, And even as recently as two weeks ago, the Prime Minister has said she wants better housing affordability, but does not want house prices to crash, and has previously said that part of her role was to protect the assets of most homeowners. Now, we know that a few homeowners would be relaxed about a crash in house prices. We got the first indication of that in a poll that came out from One News in Colmar Brunton at the beginning of the month. This poll was taken at the end of January. It asked a very broad question to all of the uh, survey who were representative voters. So when I say representative voters, they uh, represented the types of people, ages, uh, locations, who would vote in the election. Asked them, would you want house prices to fall? And it turned out more than half of those who responded to that question said yes. In fact, it was over 70% said they would either like house prices to fall a lot or a little bit. And only 18% said they would um, not want house prices to fall at all. However, that survey didn't really ask the toughest question, which was to homeowners, would you like your house price to fall? Well, we know the answer to that now because... Um, A a survey firm that um, used to be called UMR is now uh, and is the regular survey firm for the Labour Party, which does its um, regular monthly survey and also does uh, surveys, opinion polls that it sells to corporate clients. It has done a survey in early February asking homeowners and in theory renters, whether they want their house prices to fall. And it turns out that more than half of people who are asked that question who own a home said, no, I don't want prices to fall. And a good chunk of them said, I don't want them to fall a lot. Only 7% of homeowners said they would like their house prices to fall a lot. So what we know now is that a house prices have fallen and are threatening to fall quite a bit. B, homeowners don't want that. And C, the government has also said it doesn't want to do that. Now, you could say, well, what can the government do about that? There's not much they can do at all. Surely this is a purely independent market and the government doesn't control prices in the market. Well, that's true in the short term and certainly uh, uh, true... Uh, at the micro level obviously the government can't influence the price of a specific house that's being sold but at a macro level it can do various things to try and support the housing market in terms of turning off the supply tap of new houses hitting the market or changing the tax rules to make housing more attractive or less attractive to various people or providing subsidies particularly to first home buyers or you could argue to landlords in the form of accommodation supplements. I don't actually buy that myself, but um, that's how you could see it. And so the government does have a role here and over the last two decades has intervened at various points to try and either slow (laughs) the uh, rate of house price growth or to uh, stop it from falling uh, completely. So, for example, in 2008-2009 when the Reserve Bank was putting up interest rates and the economy went into a recession, uh, the government effectively stopped its, the new government under John Key, stopped its policy of trying to encourage house building. And at various points, 2010, 11, 12, the Prime Minister John Key said that the housing market was fully supplied and there was no obvious reason to try and increase supply into that market because you could tell it wasn't necessary because house prices were flat or falling. He also decided in 2009, 10, not to introduce a land tax, which was what his own tax working group recommended as uh, one of the tax reforms the government should do. Instead, he chose to engineer a swap of a higher GST for a lower income tax. And one of the reasons he did that was because he was concerned that a land tax would reduce house prices by a further 10 to 15% on top of the 10% that there, there had already been. In terms of falls. Also in 2009 the Reserve Bank uh, lent money at very low interest rates to banks at very short terms uh, and at very favorable rates with collateral so that those banks could roll over the short-term loans they had taken out in London and New York through 2007-8, the so-called 90-day bills. Effectively the Reserve Bank provided The cash those banks needed to keep operating. Much of that cash was then pumped into the housing market through 2009-10-11 and helped stabilize prices. So in effect the government and the Reserve Bank both acted to ensure house prices didn't fall too much and of course they rebounded through 2009-10-11. So we're at that point now where the government can choose to do things to stop house prices from falling and there's obviously a significant chunk of the electorate who are expecting it so uh, we now are in a position where the real estate agents the mortgage brokers are saying hey you need to fix this legislation to ensure the banks can start lending again david clark is looking at it and has already said that early and signif- and early tweaks that the banks have suggested are quite possible and the question is how quickly that happens. Also a question is whether the government remains committed to its uh, plan to try and increase the supply of houses or at least support an increase in the supply of houses and we've seen two consecutive years now of uh, record high by numbers consent growth into the market. We're already seeing some bank economists say this is far enough that the supply shortage has been fixed and you can tell that because house prices aren't rising anymore and uh, that it's that they expect that uh, new building will be dialed back as the supply of credit going into the market and the the um, unaffordability of prices at these levels for most people who want to buy is going to uh, reduce the demand for new houses so um, that will be an interesting uh, question over the next uh, six to twelve months will the government continue on with its plans to flood the market so to speak with supply or at least support the flooding of, mar- of the market with supply? What sort of tweaks will it make to the triple CFA to ensure that the credit tap gets going again? And also, uh, what measures could it take on the tax front if the housing market is showing significant signs of stress that would require the government to intervene? Now, you may ask the question, uh, why do so many people who own homes... Why are they opposed to the house prices falling? Because remember, house prices have risen 40% over the last uh, two years. And for a lot of people who are leveraged, that means uh, capital gains around about $600 billion, which um, you couldn't really argue they worked for or deserve, but certainly got and have now banked. And many of those people too. Concerned about um, what this all means for affordability, at least for their children and their friends' children's or kids. And uh, what we've found out from this poll that's come out um, from the former uh, UMR is that uh, voters, particularly median voters, the ones in the middle that both National and Labor need to win an election, are very much committed to uh, the financial model and the the financial plans that they have in place, which mean that uh, they do not imagine being able to retire without owning their own home and at various points downsizing or selling properties to finance uh, their retirement with the New Zealand superannuation coming in as well and possibly a job. What this all suggests, and I've given some more detail in the email that goes out uh, with this podcast, is that um, we're in a position where the median voter, the median voter who owns a home, is in effect blocking various attempts to normalise the market and to have, you know, housing headed towards affordability. And the government and the opposition both know this and are, in effect, ensuring that the will of the median voter is being carried out. Now those who aren't median voters, and in particular aren't homeowners at various ends of the spectrum, are in effect being told by the government and the opposition that something is being done about housing affordability and that um, they don't really care about which way house prices go when we know that they do and will act to ensure that those homeowners who are median voters um, are protected. That is today's podcast from me, Bernard Heckey, on the kaka, trying to give you some sort of background into why it is we're seeing uh, house prices falling, how much further they might fall, and what role the government may play in looking to arrest uh, the fall. And this is something I do with the support of uh, subscribers to the Kaka, paid subscribers to the Kaka, who allow me to continue on to do this sort of accountability, analytical, uh, and investigative journalism around the issues of housing and affordability, uh, child poverty reduction, and climate change action. Kakita Ano.